I'm Pastor Corey, by the way. Uh, come meet me. I'm super nice. This is my lovely wife, Pastor Erin. Um, I was looking over what the enemy tried to do, and I was looking over what God is doing. And it's just amazing as I look at different people in different faces. I know the enemy has had his way in your life at some point. But I know that God is greater than all of that, and I can see the redemptive work. And if you're just new to us, or this is your first time, um, just trust the process because we have a God who is greater than all of that and all of the things that you might be facing right now or all of your past and all of your baggage. There is a God that we serve that is greater than all of that. And I am seeing his work in the lives of people, and I'm seeing his work in your lives step by step and day by day. We don't get too complicated. I see what God is doing and I see that the enemy can't stop it. If we get some things right and we're going to talk today about the Sabbath. Um, first of all, I have some, somebody hurt me in church this morning and I just want to talk to you about it. I'm wearing this jacket that I think is pretty cool. And I saw Anita on the worship team. And normally we don't spotlight people during sermons and stuff like normally we don't ever do stuff like that okay i gotta act hurt here so she was looking at my jacket and then i'm like what are you staring at me for and she's she's like i could tell she didn't like my jacket i'm like she wants to go to heaven but she doesn't like the pastor's jacket and i'm trying to so then I had people compliment me on my jacket and I'm like, you need to go find Anita and tell her that you like my jacket. Somebody was like, where do you get jackets like that? I'm like the clearance rack at winners. This is G star 22 bucks, baby. So, um, she compared it to another jacket of mine that she doesn't like a jean jacket that you may have seen that looks great on me. That my pastor Aaron also doesn't like. And I'm like, whatever. And I get more compliments about those things. So no matter who the enemy is using in your life to discourage you. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> also, if you're new to church, this is what we kind of do all the time here. Somebody asked me actually to, to think about this because they asked us, there's an art conference, the group that we're with, and they asked Pastor Aaron and I to do a breakout session there. And um, it's a great honor to do that, of course, with pastors and leaders. And so um, I have a pastor friend of mine that says, says you got to tell people, like nobody, he's like, I've never been to a church in this nation that sweats the details of Sundays better than you guys do. And, um, and as he, like, what a compliment. But to me, I'm like, there's some things that we care about. And there's a reason why we laugh. And it's just part of our philosophy. Because I think if you laugh, you can change. But if you grew up in church culture, a lot of you didn't grow up in church culture at all. And you're like, what is up with church people? And we're like, I know, like, it's a problem. Because church people tend to take themselves so seriously. But if you read through the scriptures and Jesus' interaction and God's interaction with his people... He's pretty sarcastic sometimes. And I think that if we laugh and don't take ourselves seriously uh, and we take our Father in Heaven seriously and what He can do, I think that we can change. So anyways, I was just thinking about that. I just thought I would share that with you. Um, Last week was Mother's Day and there was two things I took uh, from last week. Uh, Pastor Aaron can preach. So I thought she did a great job. And so... um, And all y'all women come up to me after and like, why is she not preaching more? 
He said it probably like that. And I'm like, I had to prophesy. I had to make up a prophecy to get her to do that last week. So she doesn't love the stage, but she, I thought she did a great job and really brought the word of God to us. And the second thing that I took away uh, was I sat in that chair right there and I'm like, these chairs are comfy. So thank the Lord for new chairs. I've never actually sat in them yet, really. So I sat in the whole time. I'm like, these are great. I could fall, I could fall asleep in one of these. So don't do that. Okay. Um, VBS is coming up, Vacation Bible School. And you know why people love volunteering at Vacation Bible School? Volunteer, take a day off work or just be there. It's in July the 17th to 20th. Thank you, Arwen. Uh, This is my daughter Arwen, by the way. This is my daughter Arwen, by the way. Come on, give it. You got to give a pastor's kid some love because they're messed up. Pastor's kids, man. I'm a pastor's kid. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on in my head. Um, Anyways, so yeah, so a lot of kids, um, they come to Christ in, in something like a vacation Bible school where all they're learning is about the Bible and Jesus and stuff. And so let's, uh, let's kick this up and uh, do this. Uh, in two weeks, Pastor Nate is coming from Substance Church. Uh, so that's going to be great. Um, and the next week, Haiti Arise is coming. And uh, we're going to do a little Q&A on the stage, I think, with our friends, great friends, Pastors Mark and Lisa, who are doing a great work in Haiti. We just want to, and they don't know yet, but we have a financial gift ready for them when they come. And so uh, we love feeding the poor. We think, think we're responsible uh, in this nation to help out. Uh, there are brothers and our sisters. And um, so that's going to be great as well. Okay. Thank you, Sean. Let me get into the sermon today. Uh, we're in a series called Reboot about the Sabbath day. The Sabbath now we take as a Sunday. The original Sabbath uh, in the Hebrew uh, faith was on a, a Saturday, um, sundown to sundown. Um, but the early uh, tradition uh, that carried into Christianity uh, and the way that we express it is the, the early believers met on the first day of the week. And so that kind of has become the Sabbath. And um, the Sabbath day needs to be holy to the Lord. Even the Lord took a Sabbath day. Even the Lord takes one day, you know, took a, he created everything. And you're like, why does God take a Sabbath? Does he need the rest? You know, and the answer is no. I feel like you're not... <laughs> You come on, you got to help me preach. I'll, I'll just stay up here all day. It's like the answer in Sunday school. It's always Jesus. Like, hey, who did this? It's Jesus. Just say Jesus. Um, the Lord didn't need a rest, but it says Sabbath was created for man. And I'm going to just continue with that. Now, we talked about what that was like. I think you need to listen to the whole series. Um, I really laid out in part one uh, what that, I think, includes and what it shouldn't include. But today's sermon is called The Mute Button. One day a week, every other voice in your life ought to be muted. Especially yours. Now, we, we are a society of insecure people. And you can tell we're insecure because we talk all the time. We just talk, 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 talk. It's always like, find your voice and express yourself. and It's not going well. I don't know, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Just the insecurity. I think we're addicted to the sound of our own voice. And I think what we need to do is we need to come back to the house of the Lord one day a week where we hit mute on every voice, including our voice. Because I know that you think your voice is very important, but God's voice might matter a little more to you than your voice. Now, there are things that your voice can create in your life. You might be talented at some things. or um, So your voice can actually create, and as soon as you speak something, it starts creating a reality around that. And it does have some power, like... If you're good at something, you can start creating a reality in the life of a child or in, in work or wherever. 
But until you start, and this is really what the Sabbath is about, until you start repeating the words of the Lord, that's where God's power is. That's what takes a sling and a stone and kills a giant. So you can spend like, you can spend all day trying to figure out how to kill a giant and you can be talking and you can be talking and you can be talking and God's like, just take a sling and a stone. And it'll, one word from God can renew your marriage. One word and you're like, you haven't met my husband. And I'm like, I have, and I've met you. You're like, God couldn't do that in my marriage. Okay. How many words did he, did he make the sun and the moon and the stars? Let there be light. Yeah, but he can't fix my marriage. Oh my goodness. If I was God, I would do a lot of like, <laughs> seriously. You're praying your prayers. You think they're full of faith. Like, God, you can't even do this. You can't even do this. Like, oh my goodness, I don't even know. And God's like, <sighs> let there be light. And there was light. He creates the worlds in a word. And you think that he can't get to your situation. You think that he can't fix your business. Well, it's different. I'm like, yeah, we've seen what you can do in the natural. We see what the economy is going to do. We've seen, we've seen, you think that God can't cure your depression. You think God can't fix your mental health. God can't fix your heart from the betrayal. God can't. One word from God is all that it would take. That's all that, just one word. Can break your addiction. Can bring you security and confidence. Can fix your teenager. You've been trying to fix them. It's not working because they're teenagers. One word from God. I want you to go home today with one word from God that would fix it. But now there's, there's, there's the fixing of it and then there's the keeping of it. And I'm going to talk about this. Now, this is, this is sort of what happens here is that Sabbath is to bring us near to the Lord, right? So the further you get from God, it's not like his voice lacks any power. But you know where it's loudest is when you're nearest. Because the further away I get from God, the bigger my problems seem, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of perspective. But the closer I get, all of a sudden it's like... Now, for God's voice to matter more than your voice and to override your voice, because what we're doing right now is overriding God's voice, even on the Sabbath, I would challenge you, do not override these sermons on the Sabbath. The Lord has planned the Sabbath to bless you. Yeah. So if you view the Lord, maybe you had a bad relationship with Dad, you, you view the Lord as somebody who's trying to take something from you. Do you really think that God needs anything that you have. Like you walk in here and you're like, God needs somebody like me, man. God's like, no, I don't. I've got Jesus. But you need something from me. And in fact, then I can start unwrapping. But so God gives us a gift called the Sabbath. And we're like, what else do you want from us? God's like, I don't want anything. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. But this is the way because the Sabbath takes faith. Um, now, people who won't hit their own mute button eventually lose their voice. And their friends, by the way. Yep. You got to keep crazy in your head. Just keep it in there for a while. So the Lord can speak and get rid. But as soon as you say crazy, <laughs> you'll be crazy. If the enemy can get you to say something negative, you'll go there. I, I had somebody say, somebody who called themselves a Christ follower. They're all mad at me about something. And they said, when I'm angry, I have the right to speak. I'm thinking, that's not what my dad taught me. My dad taught me, when you're angry, shut up. 
He didn't say shut up, but he's like, he meant it. That's what he was thinking. Like, be quiet. Let the Lord start working something inside of you that... Nobody even knows you're crazy until you open your mouth. It's the secret. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his dang, I added the word dang, mouth shut. We're addicted to the sound of our own voice. We think worth comes from things that we say. Not from who God made us already. Not things that God said. Now, um, there's, everything right now is like, find your voice, find your voice, find your voice. Go online, yell at people, find your voice. Your voice matters. Your voice doesn't really matter unless you have something useful to say. And the closer we get to God, what, what happens is our voice starts changing into the things that he is saying. And we start repeating what he says. And his power backs his words, not your words. Let me, listen. Because God is committed to his kids not being stupid. So, and my dad was committed to that too. Now you have two options in this life. You can hit the mute button or you can be shushed. If there's one word take home today, shush. Now, who loves being shushed? Who is a humble person out there who's just like, I love it when my husband is like, shh. Now, okay. I was at work one time and I was, I was, I was an electrician and they were explaining this. My foreman was explaining something to me and I was just asking questions about how he wanted it done. And apparently he didn't like that and he shushed me. And I'm like, ooh. I, I will wait for him coming down the back alley in my work truck. And they will know it was me. And then the next one will. There's only two options though. It's like when you come to Christ. Both options are a little bit painful. But one brings great blessing. So you can fall on the rock. Who's Christ. And be broken. Because God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. Or the rock can fall on you. And grind you to powder. Now you can't do anything with rock powder. You can't build anything. I don't know. But if you fall on the rock and be broken, so you can hit your own mute button, which takes a lot less humility than being shushed by somebody else. Yeah. But, but it's coming. Now, now, this is, I'm a guy, I'm a little guy. Don't say amen to that. I'm a little guy. <laughs> now, what happens is the further away from God I get, the more little man syndrome I get. Go out any little guys in the house? Now, life is a little guy. You're always kind of in danger. So you gotta be fast, right? So I make up for being little by being sarcastic, fast. And um, I, there was a, a little guy on a job site one time, and um, and he comes up to me and he says, uh, he was from uh, Quebec, and I, I I can't do the that heavy French accent. I can't do it. I wish I could, but then Quebec would hate me. But it was it was hilarious. There there. He comes up and he's like, where's the plumber? I need to give him a piece of my mind. Well, I knew the plumber. I'd worked with him for 10 years. And I said, well, his name is Brian. But I said, uh, I wouldn't talk to him like that. And he's like, I'm not afraid of him. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Brian, now what you don't know about Brian was Brian was a big guy. Now, Brian used to party with heavy metal bands in the 80s. So Brian had done stuff, and his childhood was like the children of Israel and Egypt, man. I mean, like, he, it was a rough childhood, and, and he was a tough guy. Like, he could fold you up and throw you in the dumpster out back, and nobody's going to argue with him. It's like, I guess he deserved it, but I'm not going to do anything. I mean, he was, now, Brian was a great friend of mine, but you wouldn't cross a guy like that, and particularly a guy that size. 
And so Brian's a, a big guy. You know, Brian decided that it was time to stop drinking and doing drugs when he came to himself running naked down the Alaska highway at 2 a.m. He's like, that's when I did. Brian is the guy who during a, before a site meeting, I could see he was thinking about something. So he was kind of chuckling to himself and he goes, Hey guys, don't ever call your wife's divorce lawyer and tell him you're going to blankety blank kill him because they record things like that and play them back in court. <laughs> and I'm like writing notes like, <laughs> and I see uh, we were working on a Ramada or something. And I think we were in the pool area. So it was like a water slide and stuff. And the original conversation had happened there. And then I see Brian come in and I'm like, ooh. So I'm, I'm watching this. I love this sort of thing, by the way. So this little guy, he goes, hey. Now all the little guys, when somebody yells, all the little guys got to look, right? Because it's like danger, right? It's like, we're like rabbits. And it's just like, you know, speed and we just run and stay alive, right? So all the little guys look over there and I'm like, whew. Well, Brian doesn't look over there because when you're big, you don't have to look. And he goes, hey, again. He's like, hey, you, Brian. And now I, this is how, now I had to learn how to do this. I was practicing in a mirror. So Brian's here talking to one of his guys and like, I'm not big. My head's not like this big. And so Brian did something I've never done in my whole life. I saw him do this real slow, just <laughs> took like a full minute to turn his head over there. And I was trying to think like, it reminded me of something. It reminded me of when you see like lions with those giant heads who are like, I've eaten, but I could eat. <laughs> like if that's what you want. And this little guy goes like, on camera guys keep up marching up there and it's funny that the closer he got he went from like aggression aggression to like to hat in hand and like please sir you know may I have another bowl of porridge <laughs> and along the way he had said that the drain was the wrong height and Brian's like no the drains the right height and he's like the drains the right height these are not the droids that you're looking for these are not the droids that you're looking for See, the further away he was, the bigger he thought he was, and the bigger his thought his little drain problem. Come on, venue church. He, the further he thought, and he gets over, and then he realizes, like, oh, it's not a problem at all. And he just starts repeating the words that Brian is saying. The Sabbath closes the gap between you and your God. And the closer you get, the more you start repeating his words and the more his words start bringing the power of his presence. God is able. He's just not able to do it your way. You know how it is when you, when you think that God, you can talk God into things. You're like, God, do it this way. And then he does it and performs a miracle. And then you're like, I'm amazing. Because like, you're amazing. You think you got that job because you're smart? I had an angel put your resume on the top and shred the other ones. There was only one there. You think you married her because you're good looking? Come on, ladies, say amen. I just teed you up. 
You think you married her because you're good looking and all of that. God blinded her, blinded her sense of smell. Israel spends 400 years in slavery. Now, you know that when you were a slave to sin, you never got a day off. You know, every, every time that you wanted a break, once the devil got his teeth in you, you know he's mean. He'll time things. You never get a free day. You never get a good day. And your bad days always get terrible. And you know that when you were lost in sin before you came to Jesus, you know that like your entire life was just like one long slavery. And God brings them out with Moses and he brings them out in, into the wilderness. Now the wilderness is just supposed to be a stopping point to do something before they went into the promised land, right? So the wilderness journey is actually about an 11 day journey that they decided to take 40 years in. Now you don't have to take 40 years for an 11 day deal. Today I'm gonna to be talking about 52 days that it took Nehemiah to build the wall. You don't have to take 40 years to build a 52 day wall if you don't want to. But this was like God's forcing a Sabbath rest on them. Now, he basically did all the work for them. He's like, look, guys, you don't have to go to work every day. And, you know, they'd go out of their tents in the morning and the Lord put manna on the ground and you would mix manna. It was like a flour you would mix and it would make bread that tastes like honey. Come on, carbohydrate fans. Eat all you want and not get fat. Say amen, venue church. What happened? Who hates bread so much? I used to love bread. And I was like, oh, you know how many carbs are there? But you know what they do? You know what you do when you come out of Egypt and if you don't enter the rest of the Lord, you forget how bad it was. When, you, when the Lord's day is not the Lord's day to you and you don't enter the Lord's rest. See, they've spent 40 years and they never entered the Lord's rest. And then the Lord is like, I'm just going to wait till this entire generation dies. Maybe I'll use their kids and I don't want to be that generation. Like they just don't get it. They just are not going to get it. They're going to die in there because they did what slaves do. They talked a lot. Oh, I don't like the way that Moses did do. I don't like his haircut. I don't like the pastor's jacket. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> slaves complain and slaves have victim mentalities and slaves because slaves can't beat Pharaoh. Uh. Slaves can't escape the whip. Unless God sends a deliverer, but God does. And then they come in here, but they can't listen to God's voice because they're talking and complaining all the time and they do what slaves do. And so God gives them all this time, but they just become mumblers. Do you know any mumblers? My, we weren't allowed to mumble in our house because dad would just put a mic under you and be like, why don't you say that for everybody to hear? <laughs> Pastor Erin used to be a mumbler. I didn't ask if I could share this, but she used to be a mumbler. She's getting better at it. I'd say something she didn't like, she'd be like, <laughs> who died and made you the boss of me? <laughs> They could have entered the promised land if they had just shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. Just keep the crazy in there. Yeah. Till God deals with your heart and fixes it. Yeah. And they see, they don't see the manna anymore. They're eating the manna and they're tired of the manna. They're like, oh, you remember the hamburgers we used to eat? Oh my goodness, like the mushroom burgers and the cheddar burgers and the... You know how when you're like dieting and giving up food, that's all that you can think about and the pineapple burgers. Remember that burger I had? They put pineapple on it? Oh my goodness. And the barbecue sauce and the haystack onions and like... They were talking about vegetables, like, oh, remember the vegetables in Egypt? And I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> vegetables are what food eats. Yeah. Write it down. Okay. <laughs> I know there's vegetarians. I just, I love you so much. I don't know how you do it or why. Now, 
They're like, oh, you remember, the further you get from God, if, you want, if the Sabbath is not sacred and every week you come back and remember how sinful you are, and remember that you don't deserve to be here, remember that God is great and you are not, and remember that we're just lucky that God found us. But the further away you get from the Sabbath, you don't enter the Lord's rest, the more you forget how bad it was and what you were really capable of. Because they're like, oh, I remember all the food that we used to eat and all the hamburgers and all that. And Joshua and Caleb were like, I remember mostly getting whipped. I remember the devil had me by the throat. I never had a sane moment for two years back. You know, mute button. Pastor Aaron and I, I, I used to do pre-marriage counseling, but it was too hard on my emotions. And I would just get so angry. And I would just be like, because they'd be talking. And I'd be like, but you don't know anything. Like, but we have a song, Pastor. I'm like, yeah, we used to have one of those too. And then I just start weeping and just like, what? <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> Were we this stupid? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Why are we so dumb? A pastor friend of mine called me. He's like, I'm doing pre-marriage counseling. And I'm just like, Corey, they're so stupid. So stupid. I asked him like, who's going to pay the cell phone bill? And they're like, I, we don't know. He goes, he goes, how much do you owe in student debt? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, what? Well, how do you not know? And he goes, I don't like 50 grand, but I, I don't know. He's like, how do you not know? And she's like, how much? <laughs> it's going to come up. Mute button. But you don't understand. We're in love. And he fulfills me. And it's like he just knows what I'm thinking all the time. Like, no, he doesn't. He just keeps his mouth shut. But he won't for long. We're just so connected. You don't understand. We finish each other's uh, sentences. Sentences, you see. That's how we are. He's too stupid to ask questions. It's too stupid to be like, okay, so why are you laughing right now? Why are you laughing and crying at the same time? You know, one word of God, one word of God can change it though. You need to hear one word. One word of God can deliver a nation. Here's the deal though. You're like, well, why hasn't God delivered me yet? Because if you won't observe the Sabbath, you won't keep it. He can set you free, but you won't keep it. You'll go back. You'll go back to Egypt. That's what they did. They didn't observe the Sabbath. They didn't have a Sabbath in their heart. They didn't enter the Lord's rest where the Lord's voice was louder than their voice. They didn't hit their own mute button. So they wanted to go back to Egypt. Always wanted to go back to slavery. Now, Nehemiah, he's built a miracle wall in 52 days right in the presence of his enemies. This is what happens in in nations. And it's a cycle in our nation right now. It's like we come here and our our grandparents and great-grandparents follow the Lord. And the Lord like supernaturally blesses the country with wealth and peace. And then we're like, thanks for all your stuff, God. We don't need you anymore. We got it. And then the nation goes to Babylon. So Israel's in Babylon. It's just a recurring thing. We all think that we're so smart, but history just keeps repeating itself. And, um, and Nehemiah builds a wall, sets all these statutes in place, and then he goes back uh, to serve a king in Babylon. He says, I was not in Jerusalem at that time, because you're going to see that Israel comes up with a problem and starts losing their freedom. For I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign, though I later asked his permission to return. So this is where you need to understand that God is above government. 
if you put them there. And so, so I know that elections are coming up here, and some of you don't even know that, and that makes me sad. Uh, you can actually vote here in the building, by the way, if you're from this area of town or wherever. I don't know. i got to figure that out. Anyway, so, so we open it up for elections. But here's the thing. Even if your government doesn't make it in there, do you think that the government, your government, was going to save us? Is that what you thought? Any government? Or can God save our nation? Or if we would humble ourselves and pray and ask and seek the Lord's face, would God save our nation through any government that... Nehemiah is making a bad situation of a government that you can't even imagine. And he gets favor from the government to build the wall around Jerusalem. Come on, Christ follower. Get a little bit of hope and courage. And vote for whoever I vote for. Okay. Now, I also discovered that the Levites, I'm just kidding, had not been, sort of, had not been given their prescribed portions of food. So they, listen, the Levites, those who like made their living in the house of the Lord, like all they did was serve in the house of the Lord. This would be like the pastoral team and, you know, people who like work in church. Now, now, now you all work in church, but some of us like, this is, we focus here. And so, and God's like, hey, I write paychecks for these people that I want you to feed them so that the nation can be blessed. Now, um, so they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work in their fields. Now, this is frustrating to Nehemiah because a few chapters ago, you got to read it for yourself. All the leaders of the nation put their names on a document and signed it saying, we will take care of the Levites so that the house of the Lord has food so the nation doesn't get trapped in slavery again. And we're going to observe the Sabbath. All of their names are in a document. And Nehemiah comes back and finds out that they're not doing it. He says, I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been neglected? You have neglected God's house and you think that your house is going to do well? The shortest memories on earth. Then I called the Levites back and restored them to their duties. Like, get back in there and worship the Lord. Play those instruments. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes, their tenth of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the temple storerooms. So what had also happened is, which they said they wouldn't do, but the first tenth, Pastor Aaron and I and, and a lot of you, we give a tenth. We actually give a lot more than that because it, God is our senior partner and we just are, want to be a generous people. So we give this to the Lord because the Lord's like, hey, you can fight the devil or I can fight the devil. And if you give me this, then I will make sure, A, I'll make sure that your investment goes further than it does ever could anyways. I'll take care of this. Your car won't break down like your neighbor's does. Like, I'll just work it all out for you. Not that it doesn't break down if you drive a Ford. The, I'm just kidding. I drive Fords. I like them. So anyways... But it's just this whole idea of like, and I will, Malachi, the prophet says, God says through Malachi, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will make sure that your fields bear harvest. I'll take care of your kids, basically. Like my dad said, I didn't pray for you boys a lot because I gave my tithe and I worked in the Lord's house. It's his problem now. And it worked out with me. My brother, total right off. Uh, okay, so anyways. Remember this good deed, O oh my God, and do not forget that I have faithfully all that I have faithfully done for the temple of God and His services. In those days, I saw men of Judah treading out their wine presses on the Sabbath. They were also bringing in grain, loading it on donkeys, bringing their wine, grapes, figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the Sabbath. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on that day. So I confronted the nobles of Judah, like I went after the hierarchy and got all up in their business. It takes a bit of crazy to execute the Sabbath. And not everybody's going to like it. That's a good kind of crazy. Be like, God said it. We're doing this in this house. And your kids are like, well, Dan, I want to, do you want to eat and live indoors? You didn't think that was funny? I thought it was hilarious. 
No, no, we're going to do this. Why? Because God said it. That's all that it takes. We don't need to think about it. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to pray about something that God already said to do. Watch this. Why are you profaning the Sabbath in this evil way? Ready? Wasn't it just the sort of thing that your ancestors did that caused our God to bring all the trouble upon us in our city? Right. Profaning the Sabbath brought us into captivity. We went back into captivity. We were supposed to be the head and not the tail. And we went back to being, we went back to captivity. This is as bad as it was in Egypt, guys. Now you're bringing even more wrath upon Israel by permitting the Sabbath to be desecrated in this way? You're just permitting, you're just letting it happen? A very wise lady preached last week that God can't protect what he can't correct. He's like, hey, I have, under the shadow of Almighty, under El Shaddai's wings, you can take refuge. But if you want to live out here, then live out there. But I can't protect that. I gave you boundaries so that I could bless you here, but I'm not going to bless you doing whatever you want. That's crazy. That's what the devil wants. Do whatever you want and get all the things. God's like, no, live righteously. Do good. Remember mercy. Forgive. And I will bless you. And I commanded that the gates of Jerusalem come out of worship should be shut as darkness fell every Friday evening. Remember, sunset to sunset. Saturday used used to be the Sabbath that they observed not to be opened until the Sabbath ended. I sent some of my own guys to guard the gates so that no merchandise could be brought in on the Sabbath day. The merchants and tradesmen with a variety of wares camped outside of Jerusalem once or twice, but I spoke sharply to them. Like, what's that translated in the Hebrew? He freaked out. He would just went like bad cop, bad cop on these guys. Watch what he says. What are you doing camping around the wall? We've talked about this. If you do this again, I will arrest you. And that was the last time they came on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to guard the gates in order to preserve the holiness of the Sabbath. Remember this good deed also, O my God, have compassion on me according to your great and unfailing love. I want you to take the worst situation that you're facing right now. Or maybe the the worst... um, hurt that's ever been done to you. You know that thing that everybody said, oh, just give it time and you won't think about it anymore. But you do. I want you to take your financial situation or whatever it is, your business maybe, your marriage, your kids. And I want you to put that into the things that God can fix with a word pile with one word. And then I want you to go to your calendar, anybody who can count this high, which might not be all of you, and circle 52 days from now. In 52 days, see, the king of Babylon took all the best, and you think all the best years are gone, but they're not. Babylon took all the best and the brightest in Judah took them to the land of, and all that was left was a ragtag bunch of idiots. Didn't have anything. And I love you. But don't don't feel like the best years are gone from your life. Because this ragtag bunch of idiots built a miracle wall in 52 days. Right in the midst of the threats of the devil. And right in the midst of the madness they did it. Now I want to ask you something. 
52 days. They could have spent 500 days or 5,000. There was no way that that was happening without the help of the Lord. Do you suppose that Nehemiah, this great man of God who just freaked out about the Sabbath, do you think that he made the people observe Sabbath in those 52 days? Do you think great men of God changed their minds? Do you think great men of God are, are driven by panic and don't obey the voice of the Lord about principles? Maybe it took 52 days because they observed the Sabbath. And whatever you face, you're like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't afford to, I can't. And God's like, afford it. Because in 52 days from now, that generational depression that has been on your father and his father, or the suicide that is rampant in your family, or the cancer, or the unfaithfulness, or nobody in your family line has had two cents to rub together and God is like, I have a blessing for you. I do not want my kids hungry. I want them to have more than enough so they got to give it away. Mental health, broken hearts. 52 days from now, why do you think that the God of the universe, let there be light, can't do something in your life in 52 days? Would you join my family as we shift our lives and observe the Sabbath day? 52 days from now. I want to see something broken in your life. I want you to come back and tell me about it. Be like, you're never going to guess and I'm going to be like, I can't. Because I've seen it. And I've experienced it. And if God is going to do it for somebody else, why do you think that he won't do it for you? You think he doesn't like you? We've got to give him something to work with. And the Sabbath needs to belong to the Lord so that the Lord appears as big as he really is. And we start repeating his words over our lives. Father, we commit to keeping the Sabbath holy unto the Lord. We commit to changing our plans. And may our voices be muted about like why we can't afford it, why we don't want to, all the things. May we just hit mute and say that the Sabbath is the Lord's day. We don't need to pray about it anymore. We just need to do it and execute the Lord's will in this. And I pray that even tomorrow, miracles will start happening in this congregation in Jesus' name.